This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. So honored to hear, see you here today. You made a good choice by coming to church. Bless all of your guests. We welcome you. If you're a regular, I welcome you. If you need a Bible, which I hope you brought one, but if you didn't, raise your hand and our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. Then go with me. The book of 1 Thessalonians 5 is where we're headed today. I know some of you are here for the baptism. It's going to be a great day. I believe we've got over 40 at least. You know, even if you didn't come to, uh, to be baptized and you decide you'd like to be, we'll dunk you. I promise you. We'll take care of you. We'll dunk you in your blue jeans if we need to. Just I believe that's, that's uh, the significance of water baptism. Let me tell you a story real quick on water baptism. I'm looking to make sure they're still not in here. Uh, Tyrone and Larica Jones, they have a son, Brock. Brock's probably first or second grader, about this big, really, really, really sweet. And so one day last week, he came walking into their living room, and his hair was all soaking wet. And his mama said, Brock, why is your hair so wet? And he said, because I baptized myself. And she said, well, tell me how you baptized yourself. And he said, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And I got so blessed at that age, man, he's, he's learning. He's learning the significance of the name of Jesus. So, again, we welcome all of you. It's going to be a good time at the end of the service. We start today in 1 Thessalonians 5. And as you're turning there, every, every one of us need to have within us a passionate pursuit that comes from our heart. To call out to God, to thank God, to, to live a life of obedience to him. Now, we start here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in the love for the word's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, we exhort you, we encourage you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Now, I went through that rather quickly and not to downplay any of that, but really these next four verses is what I'm really going to highlight today. So he says very next, rejoice always. Not just when I'm having a great day. Not just on my birthday. Rejoice always. Be cheerful no matter what. Be glad-hearted continually. The Amplified says, be happy in your faith. And so when I look at this, rejoice always. Is that possible? Well, I don't think he would have mentioned if it wasn't. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, the word rejoice is one of the strongest words to describe the word joy. And when we see rejoice, it's something that's birthed on the inside of me. Rejoice in the Lord even when life is really dreary. I don't know about you, it's easy to rejoice when things are going good, but rejoice in the Lord. Now, if heaven was taking inventory of every one of us in here, let me ask you something right now. 
How would you be viewed in heaven? Would you be viewed as a person that's full of joy, a person that rejoices? Or would you be viewed as someone that's bitter, a person that lives with, with this self-entitlement, feel sorry for me, I want to pout, I want to sulk. And so again, I, I believe heaven takes inventory the way we live here on earth. And so when I say that, how would you be viewed in heaven? Let me ask you another question. In your life, how do you like to be around, or who do you like to be around? People of joy? Or people that are bitter? I don't know about you, but people, people that are bitter, they're like vampires. They'll suck the life out of you. I want your blood. You know, I, I love to be around people that are full of joy. And I believe this is what the Lord's saying. He goes on to say in verse 16, Rejoice always, in verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. To me, it's, it's a, a, a prayer that's persevering, a, a prayer that never stops. And think about this in this sense right here. How can me and you truly expect anything in our lives to change when we never pray? When we never call out to God? Let me give you a little picture here, and I think this may help you. You know, there's times I come in here and pray, and the Lord just opens up heaven and gives me illustrations and things I see. And so one day here recently, I, I begin to understand that we're called to pray in the name of Jesus. And I just begin to say loud, Jesus! Lord Jesus! And the reason I want to highlight this is because when we do this right here on earth, it gets Jesus' attention in heaven. I think Jesus is doing the things that takes place in heaven, but when one person, and I don't care who you are, when you start calling out on the name of Jesus, it's like Jesus hears and Jesus shows up. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective. And when you see the word fervent, it's a fervency. It's a prayer that says, it's all that God. I'm not going to quit until I keep calling on the name of the Lord. And he said right here that my prayers avail much. Or better yet, it's power that causes miracles just when I pray. I call upon the name of the Lord. So the first two things he begins to tell us right here is I got to rejoice and I got to pray. Verse 18, in everything. Now you may want to highlight that, okay? He says in everything. He doesn't say for everything. He says in everything. Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Now when you think about the word thanks, it's an audible expression of gratitude. It's an acknowledgement. Just as we sang in that song, thank you. Thank you. He ends in verse 19 and he says, do not quench the spirit. And I've really wondered when I reach this, if he's talking about 
Don't quench the spirit through compromising the way you rejoice, the way you pray, and the way you give thanks. Don't compromise it in any way. Now, if we were really to sit here for a while and look at, at rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks, those are all acts of my will. Those are a choice that I choose to make. But in every one of those cases, to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks, it takes the focus off me and it puts it on God. And so right here, when I I obey these passages right here, even though it may go against my natural inclination, it may go against how I'm feeling, I step out by faith and I say, Father God, grace me today that I'm going to have a day. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm going to pray. And when it says pray without ceasing, one of the great biblical uh, models of that was a man named Daniel. It said he prayed morning, noon, and night. I believe that's part of us. All day long when you're impressed, just pray. Jesus, I call out to you. But what about giving thanks? How many of you in here today give thanks? Do, do I learn to give thanks? Do I wake up Monday morning and say, thank you, Father God, I got a job to go to? Or you get up and say, oh, crap, I got to go to work today. That's in the Greek and the Hebrew, okay? Let me ask you something. How many of you are thankful today that you're not dead, literally? Man, look at the hands go up. I mean, I, I, I know in, in my life, many of you have heard, I'm telling you, without Jesus, I'd be dead. How, how many of you are thankful today, not, not only are you alive physically, but you're born again. I'm, I'm so grateful that for the reason of this right here. If I would have died in my teenage years, I would have spent eternity in hell. Thank you, Jesus. See, again, it's very easy to, to get focused on the negative instead of being thankful for what God's doing. I'm thankful I got a job. I'm thankful I got a home. I'm thankful that his mercies are new every day to me. And so it becomes this thing in our hearts that says, man, I'm going to be a person that's grateful. Now turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. As we go on here today, you're going to get my heart on some areas that the Lord's really, really been dealing with me in these areas. But I believe with all my heart that something happens in our life when we say, Father God, grace me to be a person that rejoices. Grace me to be a person of joy. How many of you know someone that's full of joy? I mean, just full of joy. I can tell you someone that's full of joy my, is my mom. I, I'm telling you, I don't know that I've ever seen a day when my mom didn't have joy. And I look and I think, that's not because her life has been e- easy selling. If you had to raise this guy and my other bro- older brother, it wasn't easy selling. But man, I see my mama with joy. And so again, I believe God does something on the inside of that says rejoice, rejoice. Now we're going to hit that again here in a little bit. Begin with me in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God. Now when I see those words right there, the wrath of God, the wrath of God is something that we don't think or we don't speak a lot about. The wrath of God, the anger of God, the indignation of God, better stated than this, is we've had to do something as human beings to provoke God to anger. That's not God's heart. But it says the anger or the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now watch why, why, why God's wrath is revealed from heaven. 
against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. And so what happens here, rather than bringing God glory, sin dishonors him. And so he goes on to say this, and those who suppress or hold down the truth in unrighteousness. Now how would that look? It's when we begin to hold false views of God and we hold false views or we water down the word of God. We try to make God's truth inoperative. We try to do stuff like this. Well, we've advanced from as a society. We're, we're farther along than the word of God. The word of God's outdated. The word of God's not outdated. So when I look at this right here, Let me ask you this question. Do you suppress the truth? Now, I'm going to give you a little nugget right now. Stay with the truth, okay? Stay with the Bible. Base your entire life off the Word of God. And when someone says something, you got to come back to this thought or even the question, where is that found in the Bible? Because if it goes against the Word of God, it's not going to be good for you. So he said they suppressed the truth. You know, on those lines, I was around a, a man the other day who's very successful in life. And he just had a birthday and he's getting a little older. And he said at my birthday party, I had my kids and my grandkids around. And they said, you know, at your birthday party, you've got to make a wish. And he said, this wasn't my wish, this was my prayer. But he said, I told my kids and my grandkids, I want every one of you to be successful in life. But he said, my greatest desire is that you live by the word of God all the days of your life. Now, that may not mean a lot to some of you in here because of our ages. But at my age, late 30s, (laughs) ye a little faith. That's very special to me and very important. Because I see how the word of God is getting farther and farther away in our society. Let me give you a little illustration of that. I heard a guy talking the other day. That he's an American but he lives in Russia right now. He's a a missionary into Russia. And he said this out of his mouth. That right now in Moscow. He can walk into any public school over there and give a Bible and they'll let him do it. And you know what my thought was? We won't even let him do that in America anymore. There's a battle for the word of God in the United States of America, okay? Fight for it. Fight for the word of God, okay? Dig your heels in. If you've got paws, dig your paws in, okay? Don't let go of the word of God. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known to God is manifest or evident in them. For God has shown it to them. God puts his DNA in every one of us. For since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So there's going to come a day. You're going to be without excuse. There's not going to be any justification. There's not going to be any forms of defense. It's either you are all in or you're all out. 
Verse 21. Because although they knew God. Because although they knew God. Now I'm going to step on this just a second. Although they knew God. Although they once knew about God. Once upon a time we knew about God. So the word knew here is in a past tense form. And it literally means this. A person or society that's lost its acknowledgement and its sense of dependence upon God. That's happening in America right now. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. I didn't worship Him as God. I didn't exalt him as God. I I didn't honor him as God. Nor were they thankful. Nor did they give thanks. And, And when we see the word thankful, it's the attitude of humility. It's something that says, not only do I recognize, I acknowledge, Father God, all that you've done for me. And so right here, when Paul says, To know God, it literally means to literally know God. I gotta worship Him as God and I gotta come to a place of thanks. But when a society or an individual person, we quit worshiping, we quit glorifying, we quit giving Him thanks, look what takes place. Now, watch this. But they became futile in their thoughts. They became purposeless in their thoughts. Now, when you see right here the word thoughts, it literally means in their imaginations. The Greek word for imaginations means in in my mental activity, in my thinking, in my reasoning process. And it's interesting, he said, they became futile in their thoughts. Listen to some of the words of futile. Listen to this. To make empty, vain, foolish, useless. They became confused. How about this? They became perverted in their logic. Those who do not honor God or show him any gratitude. Wow. Keep reading here. The Amplified says they were godless in their thinking, vain imaging, foolish reasoning, stupid speculations. The message says they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion. They had no sense nor direction left in their lives. They were illiterate regarding life. Better stated, crazy. Such is the time we live. When you begin to look what he says, they become futile in their thinking. It literally means they come to a place of ruin in their lives. What has happened here? When I quit acknowledging God. When I don't worship God, I don't glorify God, I don't thank God. Now watch Paul's progression here where he goes and he says, And their foolish hearts were darkened. Better stated, they moved away from God. 
Have we moved away from God? It's been subtle. We expelled him from school. We expelled him from our courthouses. I mean, when the communists, the society of Moscow, the Russian, will allow Bibles, but we won't in the United States. So the reason I'm telling you, there's stuff that's happening in our society, and i got to hang with the Word of God. I've got to learn to stay with the Word of God. And Paul says, one of the greatest issues is, i got to worship Him as God, and I give Him thanks. Keep reading, verse number 22. Professing to be wise. Intellectually, they believe they're sharp. We're so well educated. I'm not against education, okay? But when I start thinking I'm so smart that I know more than God. And so he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Now it's interesting the wording that Paul uses by the Holy Spirit when he penned this. They became fools. The Greek word for fools means they were mentally ill or literally they became deranged. They're thinking it's crazy. Now let me ask you something. Is there stuff going on in our society right now that you would look and thought, I would have never thought that would have happened in America. I, I remember going through the 60s and things began to happen. I, I remember going through the 70s. And, and now where we're at now, it's, it's almost shocking that we are literally seeing prophetic words that were in the Bible coming to pass right now. Keep reading. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They quit looking to God. They make God into their image. Now let me highlight that just a second. God said in the beginning... I made man into my own image. But what becomes to, to a society that begins to replace God and begin to say, you know what, we know more than God. Now, instead of us being made in the image of God, we're saying we're going to make God in our image because we're so stinking smart. Phew. Verse 24. Boy, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. God abandoned them to shameful thanks. Now when we as human beings continue to reject God over and over and over, God will allow you to live how you choose. God will allow that because he's made us free will beings. But just because you may live in a certain way that's opposite of what the Word of God says, don't think heaven's applauding it. Heaven's not applauding it, okay? And so it goes back to this. I've got to stay within the Word of God. He goes on to say, who exchanged the truth of God, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Let me ask you a question right now. Who do you allow to influence your opinions? 
If you're getting your opinions from CNBC, you're goofed up. If you're getting your opinions from Hollywood, you're really goofed up. If you're getting your opinions from any source other than the Word of God, you're going to get messed up. See, again, I look at this and I think, I've got to come to the place where the Bible's the only authority in my life. What does the Word of God say? Man, I'm highlighting this, guys, huge. Because I see the times we're living in. And so it says, they exchanged the truth for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now, when you look at the progression of this and you go back and see when a people or society quit worshiping God, quit looking to God, and quit giving God thanks. So this passage right here is summed up. Rather than being grateful to, for God for the blessings, we forget who blessed us, and because we forget who blessed us, we cease to be thankful. And so we live in a society that says, I want God, but I want God on my terms. Well, we don't set the standards, God does. And so I either choose to live by the standards or I don't. Now go with me to the, the, the 100th Psalm. Psalms 100. I don't know if you've ever really been burdened by something. And you may not hear that word very often anymore. The word burden to me is something that just, it just sits on you. I've become really burdened right now for just the things in America. That, that my heart goes out what, I'm, what, what, what we're seeing, what we're witnessing. And again, we, we get further and further away from the Bible. Psalms 100, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Woo, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Now, when I read that, I don't believe that joyful shout was reserved for just when I'm having good days for holidays. I believe this is something God wants us to make a joyful shout, all ye lands, and serve the Lord with gladness, not with sadness and not with madness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Now think back of the term that, that we read earlier. At one time we knew God. Know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other God, okay? He's God. Now you may want to mark this if you've got your Bible, this next, next phrase here. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. God's the potter, we're the clay. God's the creation, we're the creator. And again, what this is talking about is I must appreciate how he made me. I must value how he made me. Who am I to say that I can go in and change who God made me? And this is part of some of the stuff that get over. When a, when a society quits praising God, quits thanking God, this is where we start heading. Mark that right there. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. Man, God's DNA is all over you. And we, we ought to rejoice how God created us. 
Psalms 139 says, He wonderfully and fearfully, fearfully and skillfully created you. And His thoughts toward you are that of good, not evil, and to give you a future. Woo, I, I thank you God made me this way. Because you know what? God didn't make no junk. God knew who you were going to be. God put in you the agenda of male, female. God put in you the DNA. God put in you the personality. God says, this is how I'm going to frame this. We ought to celebrate that. Quit having the thought, oh, I wish I could be like you. No. You know, years ago I saw this guy, and he had the craziest hairdo I've ever seen in my life. It looked like a, a peacock's tail. This all was shaved. This stood straight up. I mean, it was crazy looking. And this guy interviewed him and said, if you could be anybody in the world, who would you be? And he goes, me. I loved it. Because guess what? All the days of my life, I'm me. I'm stuck with me. And the more you begin to understand, this is who I am, celebrate it. Don't change it. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, if you get a hold of this, this is the roadmap into God's presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The message says, enter with the password, thank you. And his courts with praise. Be thankful and say to him. Bless his name. I'm going to bless his name. And so when you look at this. The heart of gratitude brings me into God's presence. And Psalm 1611 says. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. That becomes a choice of mine. And when we see the word praise there, the word praise is rooted in an expression, an audible expression. One of the words for thanks is a verb called yada. Yada means to extend my hands, to worship. It means to to be excited, to be passionate, to be energetic, to be full of life. And, And back in the month of March, I was blessed to go to Israel. And I remember that the Sabbath started on Friday night at sundown. And I went to the Temple Mount at sunrise that night. And the Jews come flocking in. And there was probably three, 400, 500 young soldiers. And they were interlocked in arms. They weren't kneeling. They weren't bowing. They were dancing. Do you know one of the the words rejoice? It means to literally to spin around in a circle. It means to shout. If you remember King David, he came back from fighting and he was dancing before the Lord and his wife Michael said, you're making a fool out of yourself. And he said, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's my paraphrase edition, okay? You ain't seen nothing yet. In other words, I'm not doing this for you. This is going to him, and I don't care what you think. And that night, they begin to spin, and they begin to dance, and they begin to shout unto God, and I didn't understand anything. I I struggle with English sometimes, but they're speaking in Hebrew. And so I ran, and I found my translator, and I said, you've got to tell me what's going on. 
And he said, they're praising God. He said, they're thanking God. He said, they're young soldiers. And he said, you got to understand, these are prayers. These are worship songs. These are praise that they've given all their life. And he said, they are praising God because they've lived another week on this earth because they know how precious life is. And they're spinning. I mean, you ought to have seen them. I got so wild and riled up. I said, I'd like to go jump in there with them. And he said, go ahead. And I thought for a minute, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. I just don't want, you know, somebody to escort me out of here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. He says this in verse 5. For the Lord is good. Yes, he is. His mercy is everlasting, thank God. And his truth endures to all generations. The summons to praise, the summons to give thank is based on these three valid reasons. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. I don't know about you, but I'm glad his mercies are due every morning. You know why? Because we use them up the day before. And the last one, and his truth, the word of God endures to all generations. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, the word of God never changes. Man, some of you young ones get a hold of that, okay? Some of you old ones get a hold of that. His truth never changes. Turn with me to Hebrews 13, and this is what we'll end with. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13. I believe one of the wilderness experiences for every one of us is learning to give God praise, learning to give God thanks, even when life doesn't seem fair. Wow. Could it be the reason I stay in the wilderness is because I don't even thank God for what he's done in the past. It's always, God, you got to do more. you got to do more. you got to do more. And God looks at you at times and thinks, you need to shut up, Judy, with the attitude No more. You don't even thank me for what I've done. Thank you. There's two of you to agree. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 15. We'll get this. Let this soak in you, okay? Therefore, by him, let us continually, constantly, At all times, offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Wow. Is this where God's trying to shape me and mold me? Because it's pretty easy for me to praise God when life's going good. But it takes an element of faith to step out and say, I'm going to praise God when I don't feel like it. I'm going to come to church and praise God. And I'm even reluctantly to come to church. And when you see here, I'm to offer the sacrifice. When you see the word offer there, it tells me you're going to have to do something. And literally stated the sacrifice of grace to God. Why is praise to God such a sacrifice? The word sacrifice, it means to kill or to slaughter for a purpose. Why do we got to kill or slaughter? Our pride, our fear, our sloth. 
Anything that tries to threaten or diminish my interference with my thanks to God. So better yet, we are to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Guess what that means? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Everything within me, Lord, I want to bless your name. It's going to cost you. See, and when I praise him and I give him thanks, you might as well get to a place in your life where you block out everybody else. I don't believe when King David did what he did, he was doing to say, look at me, look, look. He was before God. God, I come to pray. I, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'd be the first to tell you, I don't clap very good. I'm off. That's why the drummers move the drum cage or they can't look at me. It's like my singing. That's why I like the, the, the darker colored skin people in our church to sit close to me. We're going to keep you on today, Pastor. Here's the truth. I don't care how I clap. I don't care how I sound. I'm going to give him thanks. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. We've got to praise him. We offer the sacrifice to praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. It's got to be voiced. It's got to be audible if it's the fruit of my lips. So let me ask you something. Do you thank him? Do you praise his name or do you profane his name? Giving thanks to his name. So when you see what he's talking about, And there are days it's going to take faith to step out and to praise him and to thank him when that's the last thing you feel like doing. But learning to live past my feelings is huge. So let me ask you some questions here today. Have I ceased praising him? Have I ceased giving him thanks? Again, I I pray this stirs you up where, man, I begin to get up in the mornings and I, I come to the house of God And throughout my day, man, I rejoice and I pray and I give thanks and I keep repeating it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day of life. Thank you that you're merciful. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you, Father God. And I believe that's his desire for every one of us, that we continually in a form of worship and gratitude. Thank you, Father God. Let me leave you with this thought. Many of you as parents, you know what it is at Christmas that someone made a sacrifice to buy Christmas gifts, whether that was financially. One of the greatest sacrifices for me at Christmas is just to go out and have to buy a gift because of, because of Walmart. If you work at Walmart, the Lord bless you. I don't mean that at you. Thank God for online shopping. I think the Lord just did that for me. Not that I buy anything. Most of the time at Christmas, there's a name on a package, and I have to tell them, what did I buy you? I don't even know what I bought them. (laughs) But here's my point in this. When we spend our time and our energy and our resources to buy someone something, and they never tell you thank you, what does that do to us as a human being? I can tell you what it does to me. I'm going to, that's in the Greek too. 
meaning I'm not going to buy you nothing again if that's how you want to be. But think about this. This is exactly the way we treat Father God. You owe it to me, Father God. No, God loves us. And God's a loving God. And God's a God who says, man, I I want your praise. I want your gratitude. I I want your heart. I want your energy. So I'm going to ask you to stand up right there where you're at today. Now here's how I deal or allow the Holy Spirit to deal in my own life. If I had to give myself a grade today of how well I give him praise and I give him thanks, what type of grade would you get? And here's the hope for you. If you get an F, if you get an F minus, if you get incomplete, you didn't even try. Our God's a God of mercy and grace. I like to say it this way. Our God's the God of a second chance. Our God says, I love you. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here. All I have is today. And I believe this with all my heart. Let's make our today's count. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.